गुरुदेव की जय श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जय श्री हरिनाम संकीर्तन की जय श्री श्री राधा गोपीनाथ जी की जय श्री श्री राधा खनायलाल की जय श्री श्री कनुराम जी की जय श्री श्री गोराध महादेव की जय So good evening to all of you. Thanks so much for your presence. Very, very honored. Very happy to be here in such exalted association. So, <clears throat> so today I was wondering about what to speak. Um, some topics came with your permission. <laughs> that very interestingly manifested themselves in three different directions. First of all, I had the idea to share some points that I was have, have been writing about some recent days. Amanda Mai may know a little bit about that. <laughs> she helped me to correct my, my English. <laughs> and, uh, and also that came in, but I, I didn't know how to connect that with whatever, I wanted that to be more more mystical, if you will. So some mystic situations came on the way to Radha Gopinath Mandir, so now I received the, the confirmation that I can speak about that. So one of the first, the first one was some words that I shared with Karnam Brita Prabhu in the car, and after that, when I came here after lunch, I was like, uh, how to say in English? Uh, interrogated. <laughs> that's that's a word. lovingly lovingly interrogated by Arjun City about my which was my experience all this last, during this last month and a half in a very pushing loving pushing way <laughs> so all all the things connected between themselves no because uh, because you're in, in the car, Karnamrita Prabhu was sharing his testimony about his experience. I was really interested in hearing his about his experience in India. While doing this intense treatment he went through, that actually, as I was saying today to, to them, whatever he was describing of his treatment sounded like the treatment all of us should go through. Besides, you have some cancer or health problem. The, the cancer is somehow or other there <laughs> in the form of being here and the treatment is here for us always in one form or another. No? So he was explaining about the how this brief words of course uh, how this experience took him in contact with the idea of of fragi- fragility, fragility of vulnerability and how that really pushed himself into the direction of total surrender and to really you know, understanding the situation is out of my hands, as it is always, but, well, we need some <laughs> situation to take us in that direction, no? Uh, because when, when we do not fully accept that idea, we may not be able to fully see the hand of Krishna, his famous idea when Draupadi was claiming for Govinda help with one hand, <laughs> but with the other hand she was still, like, half surrendered. <laughs> the hand was taking the sari that was being taken out from him. So it's, Govinda was not appearing <laughs> when she 
took the two hands and did this mudra, the Saranagati Atmani Vedan mudra, that's a mudra total surrender, this means, no? this means, I just depend on the two hands that will come from above <laughs> and that moment Govinda appeared. No? So, so Govinda's appearance is proportionate to our, to our mudra, if you will, <laughs> to the mudra we are performing. No, we, are, we are many mudras, we may say. No? <laughs> this is the real one. No? This is not mudra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so he was speaking about this vulnerability and, and how empowering it is no? and, and, and an idea that was in my head these days came no? that the concept will be like our highest prospect lies in the land of empowered vulnerability so I'll try to share some words today about this idea no? how our highest ultimate prospect lies in the context in the land of empowered vulnerability because actually vulnerability is something to to embrace in the context of becoming empowered Krishna Shakti Tara Pravartana you cannot spread Krishna consciousness unless you are empowered maybe you are not a Nityananda Besh <laughs> but some form of Nityananda Besh has to be there <laughs> I mean, receiving grace of three gurus is some degree of Nityananda Besh so my point is, and, and pr- for preaching you have to practice. So I mean, you, need ten, you need some type of empowerment. And when, so that was one thing, you know, what Karl Amrita was speaking about, his so-called vulnerability and how we need to get in touch with that bottom line to really open ourselves to be filled. You know? To empty ourselves to really be filled. That's what Silasil Marsh always mentions in the context of Guhyama Kyati Prichati. Reveal your mind to the sadhu. Reveal your mind to the sadhu means empty yourself in front of the saintly agency (laughs) so you can be filled from those things that you cannot create for yourself I mean grace is a gift that you cannot give to yourself you cannot say I will give a gift of grace to myself the grace the gift you can give is dispose yourself towards grace (laughs) but the gift itself is coming from an agency beyond our our hands. <laughs> so after that, during after lunch, Archon City was asking me about a report of my visit here. You know? <laughs> and eventually, I think the, the the thing that we spoke the less was about that, basically, <laughs> because so many nice topics came in the context of it. So uh, hopefully, this lecture will part will be part of the answer. <laughs> But I, what, what I could feel when she was asking what's my experience of being here, basically I felt also very vulnerable in the empowered sense of the term because I felt constantly surrounded by very, uh, very special type of circle of friends. So you are guilty for that. <laughs> so when you are surrounded by a circle of friends, when you are surrounded by empowerment, you naturally get closer to your your weak side, to your vulnerable side, to your miserable side, to your shadow, as Jung will put. And that's something healthy. Again, we need, as I'm reading this book these days of Richard Rohr, falling upward. So we really need to to get to that side of ours. It seems you are going down, but actually the going down is necessary for the going up. So... In the, in, the, in the context of being with all of you during all this time, of course, with Guru Maharaj and, and, and his 
local extensions here <laughs> in the form of all of you. Naturally, a, a, a vulnerable sensibility manifested in me, but accompanied by empowerment. No? So I, I felt very fortunate. Of course, it's a whole challenge to deal with that because I, mean, I was, was we're speaking today with Karnamrita Prabhu generally. We don't like to to accept our weak side because we feel if I'm weak, if I have mistakes, if I'm flawed, imperfect, nobody will love me. No, because generally we do not have a very substantial experience of unconditional love. So we just know about, uh, about conditional love. So conditional love is I love you if <laughs> a long list of <laughs> big contracts there. No? Lots of small letters and all this stuff. <laughs> but basically it's I love you if you are perfect. That's the law in this world. You will be loved, you will be appreciated, you will be successful. If you just not commit any single mistake in your life, so okay. <laughs> so everyone is trying to play the game, no? And perfect game. Everyone knows it's not possible, but at least anybody. How does this song saying? Get me somebody to love or something. So in that desperate attempt, at least you try to show yourself perfect, and the other person will so desperate also. So we will make a show that okay, you are perfect. And the other person will make a show, I have no defects, so you love me, I'm perfect, also, okay, we love each other, we are perfect. But that lasts for, I don't know, weekend, fortunately. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually, reality starts to crack. <laughs> Inviting ourselves for real love. So, so the point is, unconditional love, the idea of unconditional love is, I love you, disaster included in the combo. <laughs> That's the real challenge. No? Christ will say, love your enemies. Because love your friends is not, there's no challenge. I mean, love your friends. Ah, they're my friends. And it's very easy to love my friends. Real challenge is love your enemies. That means love the, the imperfection that appears wherever you put your eye. But most probably it's a projection of your own. So basically, that's one of the most and painful things in life no? to recognize to yourself your own weakness no? <laughs> and to do that in such a way understanding that that's the key to experiencing real love in the, in the context of empowerment in the context of unconditional affection of course the proper environment has to be there for doing, the, for doing that so you are fortunate the environment is there <laughs> Unconditional love is there, so our our vulnerability is there, no doubt. <laughs> so the only thing is that we have do we have to do our part as sadhakas, and we have to be sincere enough to to open ourselves with that type of bishramba, that type of trust, of confidence that ah, there will be still affection even though they realize I'm totally flawed. No. Actually, in the, in the face of unconditional love, if you are especially imperfect, you will be especially loved. <laughs> that's the, the the mood of Nityananda Prabhu he's impartial he's imp- what does he mean he's, Nityananda is impartial he's partial to everyone <laughs> that's his impartiality partial to you partial to you partial to you <laughs> and especially partial in, in, in like in the meta narrative like some sort of mamushka thing partial in 
especially to the ones where it's specially flawed. But not like a show, oh, I'm very flawed, come here, come here. You have to really be able to to recognize that. No? That's an art and ibriti. An art and ibriti is not only the byproduct of, of bhajana kriya, but the willingness to acknowledge your uh, shortcomings mm. in the context of empowerment, not in the context of low self-esteem, depression, and what, a, what not. No? So that was another point that took me to, to speak mm-hmm. about this idea today. No? So thanks so much, Karnamrita, for watching City, for your for giving you Deepana. <laughs> and that's in connection to something I have been trying to write these days as a service to Guru Maharaj in the context of some offering for being shared in the harmonies or whatever. And I would like to share some words about that because we were speaking about how uh, vulnerability is uh, crucial to our empower- empowerment as Tatasta Jivas. <laughs> but this principle is so sacred and so uh, comprehensive that it is, it is even a- applicable to God Himself. <laughs> in, it, in its ultimate form, we are worshipping, as Guru Mahal said, a weak God. <laughs> and He Himself has said many times, Krishna is God in His most vulnerable moments. <laughs> he needs his most, the most help and if we can render some little service there so much no? wealth will come in the form of bigger chance of engaging in service no? so of course generally the idea is not that much that, like that the idea is God is complete is perfect Admaram <laughs> self-satisfied he doesn't need anything so you that are totally empty Go to that agency and be fulfilled. No? Receive the, the breath, the wine, as Christians will say, and be totally nurtured. So, like the common logical you know, like line will be that no? God is most complete, like the Upanishad said, Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamadati, the Purnasya Purna, Purnameva. So many times Purna is more or like you die of an overdose of completeness. No? Oh, Purna, Purna, Purna. He's complete from every side you want to look at him. No? From an strictly Upanishadic perspective, philosophical, metaphysical perspective, God is complete. I mean, he doesn't need to resort to something outside of himself, because strictly speaking, there's nothing outside of himself. <laughs> so that was really making him complete, to the point that there's nothing outside of himself. Everything is properly integrated in, in himself. Hmm? So on one level, of, on philosophical tattoo-like level, we could say God is complete, nothing, there's nothing apart from him, strictly speaking, everything is God. That's hmm? not necessarily Advaita Vedanta. <laughs> we are Krishna, hmm? from the uh, Abheda perspective. We are Krishna, and of course we have the nuanced uh, bad perspective we are and we are not we are and we are not <clears throat> in the sense that we are one energy of himself so the point is Upanishad said God is complete okay but Mahaprabhu our Easter death he says Shrotam api Upanishadam Dure Harikatamrita the words of Harikata Krishna Kata Bhagavad Kata 
the place that those words can take us are very much far above from where Upanishadic language can leave us. Upanishad may say something, okay, God is complete, <laughs> but you go to the Bhagavad and you find another situation. No? <laughs> Upanishad say God is complete, the source of all cause, cause of all causes, the source of everything, and supreme controller. But you go to Vrindavan and you find Krishna is constantly being constantly defeated there. No? <laughs> no. Tied by Jasoda, thrown to the ground and wrestling by Sri scolded by Sri Radha. So this is a very particular God no? we are worshipping. <laughs> a very particular love which makes God like that. No? So <clears throat> so the point is okay, generally God is called Atmaram, which means self satisfied. So the, the general idea is if you want to become Atmaram, well, try to connect with Atmaram. Like one, how do you say in English? Diogenes, the Greek philosopher, Diogenes. Someone asked him, who is the most uh, complete person? And he said, oh, like the happiest person, most fulfilled person. And Diogenes said, well, God. So the person said, well, but I, not God. I don't want to hear that word. Apart from God, who is the most complete person? Well, the one who is closer to God. <laughs> no? So generally, the idea, the, the general idea will be that. No? You want Admaram, get close to Admaram. That's one quality of Krishna. Admaram, Attakam, as you like. But as we <clears throat> advance, as we say in this, in this proposal, we find a very particular nuanced perspective in, for example, the Bhagavad. Upanishad say God is the source of all sources, but you go to Vrindavan and try to say that to Yashoda. If you are brave enough, try. Say, your son is God. <laughs> she said, you are totally crazy. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> She's lying, stealing. I know him. He's fragile, vulnerable, crying, afraid. God is not afraid. God is... Upasamasraya, he's totally... I keep holes. He's cannon with God. He cannot be God. <laughs> so we find some contradiction to the Upanishadic statements. But what we hear also the Upanishads are hunkering after truths, personified, looking for getting some you know, like proximity to Krishna's service in Vrindavan. And Jasoda, she has Krishna trapped in her lap. So who is more correct? The Upanishads saying he is God. I'm just say he's not God and having, having God in her, in her life. <laughs> so that's a particular form of, of worship. But because of that, we say, throw to It's very far, one place from the other. So there we find this particular idea where God starts to not seem that much God, at least, no? for what our general idea of what God is. But actually, strictly speaking, we will, under, we will realize that actually the ultimate limit of divinity has not so much to do with being God. No? In, in, for example, in Brihad Bhagavatam, Sanatana Goswami mentions that God is even able to forego his Atmaramata, which means his self-satisfaction, but he cannot abandon his quality of becoming controlled by his devotees. 
he's not willing to do that. And he says, and that quality is represent the topmost limit of his godhood. So the ultimate limit of God has to do with himself living no? his God no? official definition and becoming subject to the love of his devotees. That's a real supreme personality of God. Yeah. <laughs> God is one thing. Supreme personality of God is something else. <laughs> so we say Krishna is God beyond God. God is an aspect of Krishna, not vice versa. So, so that's for us the ultimate limit of Godhood. <clears throat> so, Srila Jiva Goswami explains in his um, Prithis and Dharma, interestingly, he speaks about different types of Ananda. We are all after Ananda, that's, there's no doubt. And we have many levels of Ananda. Even we have the so-called Ananda in this world, called Jada Ananda, which is the, not Jagad Ananda, but Jada Ananda, inert bliss. I mean, it's an oxymoron, no? but the bliss you try to extract from no? inert matter. It's a, it's a sarcastic way to ref, of referring to our illusory uh, pursuits. No? Inert bliss. Who wants some inert bliss here? <laughs> <laughs> and after that, we have all these levels Admananda, Brahmananda. And Jiva Goswami mentions in the Pritishandava four types of Ananda concerning Bhagavan himself. So he speaks about Aishvarya Ananda, Manas Ananda, Swarupa Ananda, and Swarup Shakti Ananda. So he says, God experiences bliss from his own mind, from his own majesty, from his own inherent being, if you will, and from Swarup Shakti Ananda. When that that's called internal shakti, expresses itself outwards in the particular form, in the form of specific Sarup Shakti people, <laughs> and he has the chance of interaction with them. Of the four, Jiva Goswami said the, the latter is the, the best one, because of Sarup Shakti Ananda, which means God finds much more happy happiness in the in loving his devotees and in not doing that basically. I mean, himself without that he's not so happy with that. Bhagavatam says the same thing you know, in the famous prayers. Uh, when Narayan speaks Narayan is speaking here, not even Krishna, try to imagine. He's speaking to Durbas and Muni. After Durbas tried to kill uh, Ambulish, no? he made very grave mistake. <laughs> he was running after the Sudarshan as we spoke the other, Sudarshan means proper vision, Darshan and Su. No? So proper vision was trying to, he was running up from the proper vision, <laughs> he was learning him. So eventually he read by Kunta and Narayan said to him, after the famous verse, Aham Bhakta Parad, you know, he said, Nahamat Mana Master say, Mat Bhakta Irsadu Virbina, Sriyam Chatyanti Kim Dama, Jasangati Rahampara. He said, I don't find Nahamad Man, so much joy in my own self no? as I felt joy when I interact with my devotees. No? He said, like, like implying to, to Ambarish, you commit, to Durbasari, you committed a very great mistake. <laughs> so basically, in this verse, Bhagavatam is establishing Swarup Shakti Ananda is about even Swarup Ananda. Krishna is much more attracted. Uh, to, to his own devotees, to, to his own self. So now we will gradually analyze 
have some minutes with your permission. <laughs> and the implications of, of all that in so many, in so many levels. <coughs> One of the implications is regarding Krishna's name. For example, um, Guru Maharaj explains how each name of Krishna is actually uh, a representation of a, pi- a type of love that the devotee has for the Lord. So he addresses God in a particular name implying a particular type of affectionate approach to him. So that's why we say between Nam and Nami there is no difference, but if we want to establish a difference, we we'll probably say Nam is higher. And what's Nam? Again, that's the love of a devotee expressed in a particular name. Yeah, it's Krishna, <laughs> of course. Between Krishna and his name there is no difference, but the extra feature, the bonus track there is <laughs> the particular type, that name is imbu- imbued by the particular loving approach for the devotee, Swarup Shakti and Swarup Shakti Ananda, especially. So Krishna feels very much attracted. You are chanting that, that name, basically. He's the name, <laughs> and he feels attracted in the form of the name towards the one who is chanting sincerely. No? <clears throat> so the idea here is that, back to you know, Thakur mentions Krishna Satmaram, just generally, on some level, Krishna is self-satisfied. But as we know, in certain contexts, he expresses, or he experiences what we may call divine dissatisfaction. Yeah. No? Because that's the nature of love. Love means fulfillment and simultaneously, paradoxically, some sort of void that, in the sense of like, it can always become something more. So... I think the example sometimes given when you are drinking in the scriptures is like some sugar cane juice that is very hot. And they say it's so hot that it's burning you, but it's so sweet that you cannot stop doing that. <laughs> so in the same way, you are advancing in the path of love and, and it gives some dissatisfaction, but that dissatisfaction is only in the context of an increased uh, sweetness. So you cannot stop taking it. Pivata Bhagavatam Rasa Malayam. One more, please. Thank you. As Guru said, you get drunk, you pass out, you wake up. One more, please. I invite to all my friends. One more. That's our eternal prospect. So, as we know, and as we were speaking today, we were we worship a very particular, as Gopal Andini said the other day, perfectly flawed form of divinity that is especially not only Krishna but Braja Krishna when Krishna the infinite appears in a human like way in a very vulnerable way very needed manifestation of the divine very very thirsty for a higher experience of love that's the supreme personality of Godhead the one who put his head to the ground. That's a famous instance in the Gita Govinda where mm. Krishna goes to the floor to no, to put his head in, to pay Dandava to the feet of no, Sri Mati Radharani's. No, it, it even said thereby, no, that saying in Radha, Rasa, Radha Rasa Sudhanidhi, he says, uh, Prabhupada Nanda Sarabhati said that even Krishna is paying Dandava to the directions from which the fragrance of Sri Radharani's lotus feet are coming. He feels the fragrance in the southeast direction. 
northwest direction. <laughs> but in this particular instance of Gita Govinda, this is a famous line huh? that Jayadev wanted to write on what's going on. Krishna is putting his head on the feet. That he said that at that moment, huh? when Srimati Radharani sees Krishna putting his head onto the feet of love, <laughs> she says, Oh, you are really the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Because only you can do what you are doing. That really implies to be the supreme personality of God. You are putting your Godhood, throwing that who knows where, just throwing yourself onto the feet of divine love. That gives you the, the epithet, supreme personality of God. You have to think about this concept, supreme personality. Godhead is one thing, but the supreme personality is like <laughs> the ultimate limit of Godhood as as. Sanatana Goswami said, no? that's when he's foregoing totally his Admaramata and becoming totally Pararamata, in the words of Bhakti Nautaku, divine, supremely dissatisfied. No? One name for Krishna is Swadhana Atriptam, which means, it's a name of Krishna, which means he gives himself Swadhana, like a, in charity, to his devotees, but Atriptam. What means Atriptam? So even though he gives himself to his devotees, he feels, I, have, I haven't given enough yet. Transcendental dissatisfaction. How can I give me, give myself more? An ongoing affair. Huh? <laughs> Ad infinitum. <laughs> so that's the name of Purusha. Swadhana Atriptan. He gives himself, but even though he gives himself, he feels, I have not given myself fully. So of course, we find this type of idea, the person of Sri Braja Krishna, and very especially, as you know, as Guru Maharaj says, you go deep into the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, you, you find the Supreme Personality of Krishna, Gore. <laughs> Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Gore is the Supreme Personality of Krishna. <laughs> With your permission, I'm coining some stuff here. <laughs> so especially in this Raksalila performance, you know, circular dance, Krishna is witnessing the highest degree of uh, love and separation of Sri Radha, the gopis, and, you know, he starts to enter, as Guru Maharaj was saying, to full existential crisis and trying to uh, be, develop an eagerness to taste that particular type of love in order to keep the title Ras Raj, somehow So this Nabharayam Nirabhadi Sanjuyam Sloka comes, you know, Krishna is basically saying, I cannot reciprocate, <laughs> but you are doing this above my reach because you are giving fully to myself, but I cannot give myself fully to you because I'm, I'm divided in so many other devotees. I have to reciprocate with so many other people. Batsalya, Dasya, Sakya, Mathura, Dvarka. I'm, I'm such a busy man, Krishna <laughs> said. But he said, you gopis, you are just I'm giving fully to me. So I, I cannot, I, I don't find a measure to properly reciprocate the love. So let your own love, let your love be your own reward. Love is its own reward. That's the teaching of the verse. But of course, Krishna says, but some eagerness is there. I mean, I cannot just say that and continue my life as if nothing. I really hunkering to have a, a glimpse of that. No? So Sanatana Goswami comments in, in his own words. No? He tries to, he reads this verse in a way that nobody else may read it. No? The, verse, the verses of Bhagavatam 
have this nature. No, you have to probably extract it, its meaning, like henna. Henna, you say in English, henna, this green leaf, that if you grind it, redness appear. You say, but where? And you take the the, the leaf and say, there's no red here. <laughs> there's a way to extract the red. No? So red is in Sanskrit called rag. Rag speaks about anurag, rag, you know, affection, attachment, passionate love. <laughs> so a verse may may seem to be just like green leaf. Grind it properly. No? Go through parampara to those verses. You find, as the church says, each of the 18,000 verses of Bhagavatam are speaking about the love of Sri Radha, for example. That's a way of saying it. And you may say, man, I mean, he's describing a dynasty of kings. No, name after name after name. I will go to the next chapter. <laughs> but the Rasikacharyas are grinding the verse properly. Oh, some redness is coming. That's there for decoration, ornamentation. Sringar. Sanskrit Sringar means romantic love, but means also ornamentation. <laughs> so, so Sanatan properly grinded the, this verse to the point of finding oh, Mahaprabhu's descent is described here. Pratyatu sadhuna. Krishna said, I will descend as a sadhu to glorify your sadhuness, as Guru Maharaj would say. <laughs> I'm trying to spread your glories and make devotees for you. So, the Atmaram, Sri Krishna, self-satisfied, all-complete Supreme Godhead is in a very, again, vulnerable, weak position. But at the same time, he's, let's say, pointing to his most empowered prospect. <laughs> and the result of that is Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu is, in one sense, really vulnerable side of Krishna, but at the same time, the most volcanic form of the divine. So we have to learn to connect these two ideas. Vulnerability and vulcanability. <laughs> He's the golden volcan of divine love, but the the backdrop of that is deep deepest vulnerability. And so there's a that's a teaching for us as sadakas. That's not only for Krishna and Vrindavan and Mahaprabhu. We have to, to properly understand our study. So <coughs> so the, the idea came no? Krishna is Atmaram but in this case he's no longer Atmaram he's Pararamas but you know Thakur says supremely dissatisfied <laughs> in the context of being self-satisfied that's the point no? Krishna is partial to his devotees but in the context of being par- impartial so only he can do that no? don't try to imitate <laughs> Who knows the, the result of that? Some anarchic, whatever, psychosis, all kind of thing. So, so the idea came that, okay, there is this famous... So Mahaprabhu is this very vulnerable side of Krishna, a most empowered one. And there's one nice shloka that he over and over again quotes in his Lila, especially if you study Chaitanya Tritamta, he explains many times to some of his devotees, which is the Admaram verse. Admaram verse is like a Maha, Mahabakya of the Bhagavad. Mahabakya means like great thank you, yeah, you know the words, utterance. The great utterances. Not like you having the Upanishads, Soham, Tattvamasi, and all this stuff. In Bhagavad, you have some of 
like this Krishna Stuva Gavansuyam, or verses in itself, not only one line. The other day Guru Maharaj was saying the Mahabhakya of the we have Bhagavatam is Some of you were was in the walk? Sorry? We have Bhagavatam <laughs> There is something you will find in Madame Gopal's arm here. <laughs> this one line, Gadupakari Smriti Dapriyanam, which means if you any if some some of you wrote an, an email to Guru Maharaj sometime? <laughs> so it says Swami and it says something else. <laughs> that this line, no? A real friend is the one who reminds you of the beloved, of your beloved. So that's one line of one verse at the end of the first canto of Brihad Bhagavatam. That in Guru Maharaj's considerations, Ahav, Bhakya, of the whole book. So in the same way we could say, this Admarama verse represents a very like, powerful statement in the Bhagavat. Admarama samunayo nirgranta apirukrame kurbanti haitukim bhaktim Basically, the verses say, even self-satisfied sages, Admarambunis, who are beyond all entanglement in this world, find themselves attracted to to render service, to render service, to engage in bhakti towards Krishna. That's the nature of the attractiveness of Haris, qualities, something like that, basically. And we find the prime example in the Bhagavad, Sugadev Goswami. He was an Admaram sage, Brahmavadi, totally fixed in transcendence, but the woodcutter went to the forest. And this is the famous verse about Sugadev, Jamprava Janta Manupeta Napeta Krityam, Dvaipaya, no? Vihara Kahara. Okay, I'm so that describes what they say. In the same moment he was born, he ran to the forest, attracted by a life of a renunciate. And his father was running after him and crying no? with fear, <laughs> asking him, "Come, come!" But only he received as, as an answer. He received the echo of the trees in the forest that were seemingly concerned as Vyasa. I offer my pronoun to that Sukadev Siddhivaratana. <laughs> Sarva Sarva Bhuta Hidayam Munim Anatoshmi. I offer my respect to that person who recites with a well wisher to the hearts of every living being. But Bhagavad verses were recited. It was the hook. And Sukadev was like like hypnotized, like walking. Where is that sound coming from? And as you know, as it is said, Vyasadeva was not concerned of Sukadev because he was an attached Grihamedi. Oh, my only son, he was just born. At least let me take a selfie with you and I'll go to the fort. No, <laughs> He just saw the prospect. Oh, he can be a real proper Bhagavad uh, student and eventual teacher. As Guru Mahal said, some people are looking for a guru, but gurus are looking for real disciples. <laughs> it's not so easy. Sometimes it's even difficult to find a real disciple. <laughs> Another topic. But Vyasa was concerned about that, in that sense. No? Where, is, where is this proper disciple? He is a proper disciple and he's going to the forest. <laughs> Come back and I will take you eventually to another forest. No? <laughs> our, our forest. No? Nirvana, as we were speaking the other day. No? 
we have a pro, our own nirvana, no? Getting out of the forest of samsara, entering into another forest of another type of samsara, another type of forest fire. It's really intense there. <laughs> and samsara also means full essence, samsara. So it is described as this for for the Brajavasis, all these terms that are applicable to us here, for them have like, yes, we are in samsara. Yeah, they are in samsara. We are in a forest fire, this existence. Yes, but from another side, we have to grind those terms again. So, so Sukadev was a prime example of this Atmaram, and this verse was mainly applicable to him. <clears throat> it's explaining this important point of the Bhagavad, basically, Bhakti is above whatever, anything, other things, no? jnana, karma, this is from the very beginning, dharma, prohita, kaitabo, traparamoni, matsami, so, Mahaprabhu, Sri Chaitanya Dev, explained this verse, in two occasions, but mainly, and, uh, in, in two very important moments, one of them was, he explained this verse too, I mean, maybe he explained that, but the two official sessions are <coughs> <coughs> to Sarvabhoma. He explained the verse uh, almost when he was already gave the, how do you say in English, checkmate after the week of silence and Sarvabhoma was already 75% converted. Okay, something else. Yes, he was thinking about Admiral you know? I will give you some explanation. <coughs> First, he asked Sarvabhoma, "Give me your explanation of the Admaram verse." And of course, he explained in the context of Abhita Vedanta. He said, "Okay, there now goes my explanation." So he gave eighteen explanations of the Admaram verse from different sides, each word having different meanings. <coughs> and eventually, Mahaprabhu meets with Sanatana Goswami at the end of the Madhya Lila. And Sanatana said, I've heard that you explained Sarvabhoma, this Admaram verse, in 18 ways. Please, can you explain, repeat the session for me? Mahaprabhu said, by your association, he says, something new is coming. So I won't repeat those 18 explanations. I will give some new ones. Okay. So he gives 61 explanations of the Admaram verse, without touching any of the 18 previous ones. And Mahaprabhu was saying to Sanatana, all this came by your mercy, he said, by your association. I don't know what I said, I'm a madman. And you are a madman as well, he said to Sanatana. <laughs> so as Guru Mahasaya said, no? Bhagavatam was written in Samadhi, you want to understand the Bhagavatam, enter into Samadhi. Mahaprabhu is a crazy deity, if you want to follow him, well, you have to become weird also. <laughs> so, my point is, okay, all these 79 explanations Mahaprabhu gave to these two important personalities are all of them connected to the idea of Anatmaram, a self-satisfied sage practitioner, and all the implications that we explained from different perspectives. But, <clears throat> but my idea was, well, but, I mean, Krishna is also Atmaram. One name of Krishna is Atmaram, so why do not apply this verse to Krishna? No. <laughs> why not trying to grind a little bit more? I mean, by the grace of Mahaprabhu and his associates, of course. 
I'm not trying to, to come up with a fancy new 80s explanation after the 79 Marvel game, but that just naturally came, not my authorship. So I started to go through the words of the verse. It's Atmaramas Chamuna. Atmarama means self satisfied. So that's the name of Krishna, his Atmaram. <clears throat> so the verse can be applied to Krishna in that part. Munayo means a muni, a sage, a thinker. So also, I was asking all these things with some Sanskrit pundits just not to be wildly speculating. <laughs> so fortunately I have some support there. So they told me, yes, Munayo is a thinker. So Krishna is a thinker. So he can be, he can enter into this category of self-satisfied thinker. Nigranta Apirukrama, he's near Granta, he's beyond Granta, he's beyond, uh, how do you say, knots, the knots, knots of material uh, entanglement, and also Nigranta means beyond scripture, beyond the standard statements of scripture. He, he himself can, like, uh, uh, I'm not finding the words, how do you say, transgress. As he apparently did. Actually, he, he keeps being dharmic, but transgressed them in the context of grinding <laughs> as well. And, and, and basic idea, like in Rasalila, he's showing the highest dharma, even though it seems like the lowest. <laughs> Sudura char, Krishna will say, no? but it's the highest type of achar. <laughs> so. So, Atmaramasamunayo, Nirgranta Pirukrame, Kurvama Hai Kurvante Hai Tukim Bhaktim, Itambuta Gunohari. So, my idea was okay, Krishna is Atmaram, Krishna is self satisfied, he's a Muni, he's a thinker, but in contact with his Swarup Shakti, in full contact with that in the form of Brajavasis, Gopis, the different devotees, and Srirad in particular, he finds himself in the necessity of. Uh, he, ha- he finds himself attracted to himself and he wants to render service to himself so that you may say that sounds weird no? Krishna is engaging in bhakti to Krishna but from the Veda perspective, perspective we could say oh, he's finding himself attracted to his Arup Shakti he wants to serve his Arup Shakti who is not different from him so in that sense the verse could apply to Krishna being transcendentally dissatisfied <laughs> and wanted to engage in bhakti towards himself in the form of his Swarup Shakti not to experience the love of Radha and to glorify and serve the love in the particular way um, being attracted to Tambuta Gunohari being especially attracted by that particular qualities of Hari that has to do with his I mean it is said that the, the, the most favorite quality of Krishna in himself is the fact that he becomes under the control of his devotees. That's his favorite side of his self. Becoming a slave you know, of his devotees. As Srila Siddhamara said, Krishna, uh, how, how we say? Uh, Krishna loves slaves. You, know? you should become a slave of him. But also he loves to become a slave of his devotees. You know? like making it clear, a proper slavery we are proposing here. You know? <laughs> So basically, by proper grinding <laughs> with the blessings of the sadhus, the idea that this Admarama verse is actually expressing this 
vulnerability of Bhagavan. <laughs> and the ultimate implication and outcome of that is Mahaprabhu himself. So I was feeling, okay, so Mahaprabhu, that verse is exposing Mahaprabhu <laughs> by proper grinding, but Mahaprabhu is also Channa Avatar. No? So it's Krishna in the hidden way, coming as a devotee, having engaged in thievery in the sense of stealing Radhavav, if you will. <laughs> so he's trying to hide his real identity. So I felt, okay, that's why he explained this verse so many times, but from a particular perspective. <laughs> Not from the perspective that points at him and shows, okay, I'm here trying to do this here. <laughs> no? So he presented 79 explanations, speaking about the sages and the glory of Bhakti, uh, but if you pay close attention, he was trying to, to hide himself. No? Like what you find in the in the Antelila, no? when Rupa Goswami is presenting his poetry into the circle of Mahaprabhu's associates, and Ramananda Roy is like ecstatic, like hearing Rupa Goswami's poetry continue, continue, Vivata Bhagavatam, Rasamala, <laughs> more and more. So he's the, narrating different verses about Radha Krishna, and eventually he comes to one verse about Mahaprabhu, no? because he generally starts all his different verses book, sorry, about, especially the ones about drama, the Natakas, Lalita Madhava, Vidagdama, he starts with some glorification to the, well, the Istadev. Mahaprabhu is our Istadev, so we should properly expose him, <laughs> even though he tries to have some. He quoted one verse about Mahaprabhu, Mahaprabhu was there. He was relishing the previous verses about Radha Krishna. He was totally immersed, and when Rupa Goswami reads this verse about Mahaprabhu, Mahaprabhu says, what's that? He said, it's, it sounds like a drop of detestable poison in an ocean of nectar. No? The ocean of nectar was the narration about Radha and Krishna. No? Because in that verse, Rupa Goswami was starting to give a hint about who he, he is in one point. No? As Guruma said, if you properly read the Goswamis, you will end up concluding, where is Mahaprabhu? <laughs> so, so Mahaprabhu said, no, that's detestable. That verse is horrible. But Ramananda Roy said, no, no, no. That's not a drop of poison. That's like a, a, a pinch of comfort in an ocean of nectar. Mm-hmm. Mahaprabhu said, no, 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 no. They start to like... <laughs> Mahaprabhu said, no, I, people will laugh at me by hearing those verses. No, like... And Ramananda said, no, no, no. When the Istadev is properly established, everything will become auspicious. Eventually, Ramananda gives the checkmate. No? As we were speaking in the... Con- because the idea there is that many devotees <coughs> of the assembly wanted that all these dramas of Rupa Goswami may start what's generally called Gaur Chandrika. Gaur Chandrika means like a glorification about Mahaprabhu before entering into glorification of Radha and Krishna. This is systematically following some places in India. Also doing Kirtan or something is before Radha Krishna depiction, Gaur Chandrika, no? entering to Krishna Lila through if you want to by entering into the by entering through the to the service to the lotus feet of Mahaprabhu you will end up being submerged in the ocean of Radha services and and so well basically that's the point Mahaprabhu was trying to 
to hide himself, but we see how the devotees are very exerting, exposing. Like in Ramananda Sambhal also, when Mahaprabhu was asking for more, for more, and Ramananda was continuing, okay, you are asking more, I'm going to expose you more and more. (laughs) So there comes a point where Ramananda is already saying too much, and he's not able to quote any Shastra Praman, but he says, I have, at this point, nobody asks, go further, and you are asking, so I cannot resort to any particular Shastric statement, but I have a poetry of my own in that regard. So he starts to (laughs) invoke the poetry and expose the position of Mahaprabhu, and Mahaprabhu sheds his mouth. As Guru Maharaj said, we should be able to to expose the glories of our Istadeva and to glorify him in such a way that someday he himself will come and say, you are preaching too much, you are speaking too much, Lord, shut up. And will throw us into the Nityalila. <laughs> so that's a real purpose of preaching. No? Someday you will stop preaching. <laughs> you will be, be thrown into the land of non-preaching. Or there will be another type of preaching there. No? Gopi is calling Krishna and preaching and just show the preaching to him. You should behave like this. It's a type of preaching there. Aprakrita preaching. (laughs) Something that looks ordinary but is not so. So, well, basically, I don't want to extend further, but I wanted to share these words regarding this original idea that came to me according to vulnerability, how uh, how our highest prospect lies in the context of uh, empowered vulnerability. So, I mean, a definition of that would be Sriman Mahaprabhu. No, the most vulnerable moment of the Absolute, and at the same time the most vulcan- volcanic one, and the most empowered one, the most ecstatic one. So we as sadhakas make trying to make full circle and returning <coughs> to our local cases, situations. Uh, we are followers of Mahaprabhu, we are Gurdiya Vaishnavas, so our Istadev is vulnerable and is volcanic, <laughs> so we should be not imitated, not imitate him, but just follow into his footsteps. So trying to become empowered, inspired, enthusiastic by going properly through the land of vulnerability. But in, in, in a balanced way, of course, psychologically, emotionally balanced, that's required for dealing properly with vulnerability <laughs> because it's a very delicate land. No? So how to inhabit the land of vulnerability in such a way that you and up empowered, that's a whole art, and we are, well, Sadaka project is there for that, no? this work in progress, and Guru Maharaj said, means, Trinada Pisunishena means basically that, no? proper vulnerability, Tarora Pisunishena, and Kirtaniya Sadahari, that's empowerment, Kirtaniya Sadahari, permanently thrown into this current, no? so for entering into such a Dynamics, we need to properly embrace our flawed and weak side in the context of grace, in the context of such gift that we cannot give to ourselves, <laughs> but that is very willing to give itself to ourselves. Golokar, Primadam, Harinam, Sankirtan. Am I properly doing that? Well, we will experience all the necessary empowerment we require to, to continue growing and to, right. how do you say it? passing the test that is coming now, as one Thomas Merton very nicely said, no, you shouldn't pray to God for situations uh, according to your capacities. 
but for capacities according to the situations. Mm. No. <laughs> particular situations come to your life. You shouldn't pray, oh, change the situation because it's too much for me and send something according to my present capacity. You, know, you should pray, give me further grace so I can develop the proper capacity to deal with this situation that is way above my head now. <laughs> so that's what we call progress no? in the land of vulnerability, prayer, and grace. So, some words regarding that inspired by today's <coughs> adventures with all of you. So thanks so much. And again, your association is permeating myself of vulnerability, say proper one. So hopefully some empowerment comes from that and I may offer that in service for all of you. Thanks so much. Yeah. No, no, 79. 79. Yeah. If you give blessings, well, so maybe... I already wrote something. I'm just correcting. I'm just waiting for Ananda Mai. No pressure. <laughs> but she will check my English. Because I wrote in English. So this is a contribution. I mean, it's... Whatever, if you can like to think of that like that, no problem. It's not mine, so it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's not mine. But, you know, that's the whole idea of that. I mean, if I wrote such a thing and at the end I feel, oh, it's my contribution, I mean, the whole thing is... <laughs> but, yeah, thanks so much. I mean, Yeah, but I was afraid of, of that my Sanskrit interp- my interpretation was not according to the Sanskrit. So I wrote to Satyanarandas Bhavaji. <laughs> I went to a very strict source. <laughs> so I said, this idea is coming. Is it uh, legal? He said, that's a very noble insight. <laughs> I said, okay, <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> and he told me, according to Sanskrit, this present tense... Uh, this couldn't be interpreted like this, but it could be like this. So eventually, some place for that rendering was there. So, so well, what to do? <laughs> Let's keep with our empowered vulnerability. It's an open secret. That's Shriman Mahaprabhu ki Jai Sri Radha Gopinath ki Jai Sri Radha Kanayalal ki Jai Kanuranga ki Jai Radha Madhav ki Guru Maharaj ki Jai Harinam Sankirtan ki Jai Gaur Bhakta Vrind ki Jai Gaur Premanam Nanta Koti Vaishnava Vrind ki Jai